Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you. Thank you, dear Lord, for bringing us today. Thank you for your blessings and thank you that everyone in this place has finished a week strong. We bless you, Lord, and we give you all of the glory, Lord. And Father, we gather here even for this short time that we are gathered today in your presence. May you speak to us, Lord. Encourage your hearts here, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I have a testimony. I also have to testify. You know, sometimes when you, how you relate with God, but I, I will tell you how I relate with God, is that um, if I have an issue that I want to say to the Lord, I don't have to wait to go on my knees. I'll say it there and then. And I trust that God hears me. And I trust that God answers. That's a relationship I've built. I don't know about you guys. I don't have to go to a mountain when there's a matter which needs to be dealt with at that moment. So I was at the dining table on a... Uh, I'm not sure whether it was... Um, it was last week. I think it was a Friday morning. So I was having breakfast and then a message dropped in my phone and um, I have a friend of mine, she's a good prayer partner of mine. I've spoken about her, Patricia. She's far away, she's a pastor somewhere. And, and she sent a message saying, uh, my brother, I am so desperate, I need some money urgently because the, the, um, the storage which we use as a church, the owner of the house wants to throw us out because we owe her, I think she said, six months rent. Now, because I was having breakfast, so I saw the message, I said, Lord, give me the money so I can give her. So I put the phone down and I, I continued my breakfast. <laughs> the next day, the next day I got the money. You know, it's, a, it's amazing how it was under 24 hours, the money came, and then I forgot to send it to her. For some reason, it skipped my mind. So. On a Saturday, I'm not sure whether it was Sunday, no, Saturday morning, Saturday night. So I was just going to lie on the bed. And then I was remembering the goodness of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit said to me, but you said you would send Patricia the money, but you didn't. So I said, oh, oh, yes, I didn't, I didn't send it. I said, well, I said, let me do that now. So I... I panicked, I got out of the room because the money was on my phone. I looked for the number quickly. I wrote it down and I sent um, slightly more than what she had asked me. So I sent all of it to her. Then there's a, there's a peace that came into my heart. Why? Because I had talked to the Lord. There was a problem. And then I spoke to him. Then he answered. Then now the person has received their miracle. This is it. There's an excitement that came into my spirit. You know, that said so much to me, that God is not exactly as disconnected from our lives as we think that he is. So uh, I think, so Patricia, I think, didn't see the message immediately. So I, when she saw, I think, the message on Monday, the excitement she had, now you see, I'd moved on because she was saying, Oh my God, oh, I, so I thought there was another problem. He said, oh, thank you, thank you, I saw the money. I said, really, you saw the money? I said, me, my excitement, God finished in the Lord, <laughs> you, you know it. 
So uh, this testimony for me, it's, it, it, I, I want to thank God. Because God is not exactly as disconnected from us and from reality as we think he is. You know, sometimes we let a matter press down our hearts and then you, you, you can't breathe about it. Then you're saying, I don't know who I can meet to pray for me. I don't know, maybe I should go to a mountain or I should go where. But if, it, if the problem is now, if you have pain in the leg, must you wait? How about you cry out to God at that time that, Lord, the pain is here. It's in the leg here. You see, eh? So for me, that's, that's my testimony. And I, I found myself, I have done that for so long. It's just that I, I, I don't know why this particular one caught my eye. I, I mean, one would think that God would ignore such a thing. But you see, a friend of mine reached out to, reaches out to me, and she has the need, and I don't have the money, you know? So it has to come from somewhere. So there are two options. Either you do it in the physical and begin borrowing, or you look up to Jesus and let him make a way. So I chose Jesus, he made a way. So I, that's my testimony. I want to take you to the vow, Judges uh, 11 from verse 30. I want to take you to the vow that Japheth made. But I know that you have not yet understood the spiritual implications and the power which is in that kind of prayer. You know, it looks so simple. But you tell me. You look me in the eye today and tell me you have not lied to the Lord. You look me in the eye and tell me you have not broken a vow. Haven't you? Now, I will say this to you. Those vows you made to the Lord you didn't fulfill, they are a reproach to your life. Every vow you have made to the Lord that you have not kept. You know, sometimes in our greatest, in, in the times of our greatest need, you make a vow to God. You say, Lord, if only you give me this job, only you give me this job, I'll give you salary, my first three months salary I'll give you. You have never been desperate. But if you've been desperate, you know, where I'm, you know what I'm talking about. You know that you've been there. And then guess what? The Lord in his graciousness said, okay. And you mean it, by the way. And you know how the Lord knows you mean it? You're in fasting, and you're weeping, and you're wailing, and you're on a mountain, and you're alone. It's you and God. The Lord knows she is serious. And what does the Lord do? The Lord answers you. You'll be very quick to testify here. Oh, the Lord gave me a job. I am so grateful. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark. It's a blessing to have you. Thank you for praying for us. May God bless you more and more and more. More grace, Pastor Mark. And I will say, Amen. Amen. And we say we give God all the glory. But when you go back alone, there is a vow you made. It had nothing to do with Pastor Mark. It was you and God. What you said, I have no idea. Those vows are a reproach to you today. So I do not know which vows you made to the Lord that you didn't keep. I'm so grateful to God that when I was lying, when I seated there, when I prayed, for me, I didn't make a single vow. I just said, Lord, you have seen the message. Give me the money so I can give her. There was no vow. There was no vow. So you imagine how the Holy Spirit reminds me and I'm going on my bed and he says, but you, you, you said you would send her the money if you get it. Now you got the money. You haven't sent it. Now, supposing I had made a vow and then I did not send the money. Don't look at the vow only from a financial perspective or from what you made to the Lord. Okay? Who did you promise to marry? I'm telling you. Who did you give your word and you vowed and you said, I will marry you? Who? I am telling you. 
if you made a vow to a person that you'd marry them, even if you're 15 years old, that vow is a reproach to you. Because you don't know what the other person did with the vow you made to them. You have no idea. Now for you, you simply say, you know, you love these funny boys of yours. Then you tell him, okay, okay, I'll get married to you. And then he says, promise me. Then he says, I promise you. With all of my heart, I will always, always love you. I will get married to only you and only and only you alone. That's why you're single. Don't joke with the things in the realm of the spirit. Because when you speak, words are things you don't see. When you speak, the Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. When you speak, it's established. Either God holds on to it or Satan uses it against you. That's exactly what words do. There's no middle ground, guys. It's either the vow made unto the Lord or it's made against you. That's how it works. And if there's a person who reminds God every day about the vows you didn't fulfill, it is Satan. He says, you want to bless Arthur? But how? This Arthur, this is what he promised you. Now you see you have blessed him. You see what Arthur has done. So who did you promise to marry? Who? And who? And then who did you turn down? Just after those vows, you made those vows. Then you change your mind at the last minute. And somebody out there is crying your name in the ears of God every day. I know you could be settled in marriage already, 20, 15 years, whatever. That vow, if it is not dealt with, it will bring you down. I have to be frank with you. You know, vows are made in different ways. Whose property did you take and you vowed you'd replace and you didn't? You know, the things look, and ha, it's now, let me tell you, which man of God did you visit and you didn't fulfill the vow? Now that one is a direct cast. I can't help you. I don't know whether now you're seeing why, how we are bound. Sometimes we sit here and we, we spend our time blaming witch doctors, stepmothers, aunties in the village. I have a wicked auntie. That auntie is wicked. My God. She has bewitched all of us and my sisters. But she was not there when you were making the vow. She wasn't there. Even that stepmother, she was not there. It is you who made the vow. You said, Lord, if you give me a promotion, I'm going to get 10 million shillings and I'll take it to church for the building of the what? Of the church. It is you. God wasn't there. Now, God is faithful, by the way. Two months later, you get the promotion. Two months later, you're diverting the money. You say, ah, anyway, I was joking. You are joking with God. You get it. Eh? But, but this is salvation today. It's, it seems so easy to go to the Lord and, and make a vow. And say, Lord, if, if you will do this, I would rather you don't vow at all. And yet a vow is a very powerful prayer. You can see it from Yepusa here. Yepusa made a vow. He said, Lord, if only you will give me victory. I've used this prayer, I can tell you, I don't know how many times. I've said, Lord, if only you will give me victory. He says, I'll give you the first thing that comes out of my house. And the Lord said, no problem. Victory I will grant you. The Lord granted him victory. But just think about the only thing that he loved so much, the only child that he had, the only child, the only thing he had. The Bible says he had no daughter or no other sons. The only child, moreover a virgin. Okay, you, if maybe she, if she had played around with the boys in the neighborhood and she was expecting, you would say, okay, you ban her, I'll stay with the grandchild. But there was nothing. But this man had to keep his word, the vow that he had made to God, however painful. And this is the thing about a vow that you make to the Lord, is that however painful 
it may seem on your side. Keep it. Because the blessings and the greater glory is in the fulfillment of the vow you have made to the Lord. Now, God can release you from the vows you made with man. Okay? But you also have to understand that if those vows involve the person who went to a shrine or a person who died, you need deliverance for that. One time, I've told you this testimony before about a friend of mine, and they made a blood covenant. They made vows to each other. And then they cut themselves. And they exchanged coffee, must have been coffee beans. You cut, I cut. You get the coffee bean, soak in the blood, soak in the blood. And do what? And they ate, they exchanged the beans. Now it's like you and other cutting yourselves, soaking your beans with the, your blood, then you give Ada, Ada gives you the bean, you eat, she eats. The vows. Her life has never been the same to this day. Such things. Why? Why did her life? Because what happened is that after that, the man died. Now you have a blood covenant with a dead person. That's why he said that sometimes these covenants, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to know what really happens with the person. That's why you need to deal with these vows. Because a vow becomes a covenant. I hope you know that. A vow in itself is a covenant because you're committing yourself to do something. And until you're released from that particular vow, it becomes a reproach to you. So let's think about your life. Sometimes you, you hear so concerned about who is doing what, who is against me, but you forget how you've entangled yourself. And, and these things hold you back. And every time Satan looks at you, so th this is where you should start today, just to take stock. What unfulfilled vows do you have? Which vows have you broken? Because that is where the problem is. It's not so much in what you did, it's so much in what you said. It's very easy to forget what someone did. It's not exactly easy to forget what someone said. So, what vows did you make? Who did you vow your heart to? You would marry them and you didn't. And it is your problem. Who? What did you vow? to do for your mother in the village. And especially if you say, if God does this for me, I will do A, B, C, D for her. What? These things become a reproach for us. You know, they look so simple, but this is what destroys, it's what destroys families. This is what destroys lives. It's what destroys destinies. Let's, let's, let's give, an, take an, give an example. That Sandra here meets a man. Then Sandra makes a vow to him. I don't know what they do. You know these days in relationships, people do all kinds of things. She makes a vow. And this man, let us say for him, he loves to consult in a different place. And he goes to the place he consults with your picture. And he says, this is so and so. And this is what she said to me. Do you know that your words become a snare to you? Because he's going to say, she said A, B, C, D to me. 
So the person will say, since she said A, B, C, D to you, this is what will happen. Should she leave you? Now for you tomorrow, you go to inquire of the Lord. The Lord says, but that's not the man who is supposed to get married to you. You're supposed to marry. Before you know it, you meet this handsome, wonderful man from Australia. And where do you go? You go to Australia. And then you go to Australia and you're wondering, why aren't things working? It is because somewhere in some shrine, there are words that you made commitment to yourself. In other words, in the, in the physical, you belong to another man. In the spirit, you belong to somebody else. So here is my question. Who do you belong to in the spirit and in the physical? Who has a legal right over your life? Who did you make a vow to? Hmm? Who? Because that is where the problem is. And you, so you need to be released. You need to be, in, you need to be removed from all those cobwebs. Now you imagine you had promised 10 people. Just imagine, and all 10 people, one is in Koboko, <laughs> one is in Mbali. Are you seeing? One is in Olugulului, one is in Loitoktok, another one is in Kotido, another one is somewhere deep in Masaka, another one is from Kavari. Another one is in from Chachodan. Do you know how finished you are? Vows. And the ones we make to the Lord, really. I don't know how we even do that. God does not push you to make a vow. Why do you feel the need to make a vow that you know you won't fulfill? If you know you're not good at keeping your word, make no vow to the Lord. It's a powerful form of prayer. Extremely powerful. As a matter of fact, today, I'll be honest with you. If you're in what seems to be an impossible situation, go make a vow. But if I were you, write the vow down and pin it on the wall. Okay? Pin it on the wall and have somebody else hold you accountable for it. Because the things of God, they're so easy to forget. Especially if it is just between you and God. Because who else sees? You know that God is not going to come from heaven in a big cloud. And say, why you didn't fulfill the covenant, the vow. He will not do that. He won't do that. But if there's another person, they will say, but you say to the Lord, you are going to do A, B, C. So how many of you have made a promise to the Lord that I'm going to, I'm going to go to be to church land? Whatever you go to church. Where do you go to church? And you made a promise that you're going to contribute for church land. These things bring you a problem. They bring you a problem. Why? Because now God blessed you and you forgot. And here's the thing about a vow. It never, it never dies. Whether you made the vow 20 years ago, that vow is valid. So before you make any fresh vows to God, how about you come to terms with the current vows that you know of? I remember most of my vows are written down. Most of my vows are written down and they are usually small pieces of paper that I fixed inside my wallet. One time I was looking into my books and I saw vows I had made as early as 2003-2004 when I'd just gotten born again. And I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, wow, I made this vow. It could be just as simple as saying, Lord, if you bless me, I'm going to buy shirts and take to my village and give every old person I'll buy 20 shirts and I'll take to the village. It could be as simple as that. Then you forget. Then you go to the village and you see these old people and the Lord reminds you, 
but where are their shirts? You said you are going to buy shirts for these people, but you never bought the shirts. Where are the shirts? So almost everybody looking at me here is, is extremely guilty. You know that, don't you? You know that you're extremely guilty of making vows to the Lord you never fulfilled. But there's a power in the vow. So maybe the reason why your subsequent vows have gone unnoticed is because God looks at you as you saying, Lord, I vow to you, if you, this time if you give me this good job, I'm going to do this. Then the Lord says, Ah, on this day, September 2002, he said this. 2003, he said this. Yeah, they were him out of the house in 2004. This is what he said. Then <laughs> his kids were at home. You see, and then the other day, his mother was sick. Two six, and the Lord looks at your list, and you have you have a, a full counter book of unfulfilled vows. <laughs> and then the Lord says, "Are going to be this time?" What did he say? The Lord says, anyway, you record it. You record it. You never know the Holy Spirit may visit him. You record it. And the Lord says, you know what? Okay, first cover all those vows of his. I will pretend I didn't see them. You answer that God delivered the miracle. In two days, the miracle has come. And the Lord is watching. Mm-hmm. What will he do? <laughs> and then you quickly forget the Lord. The Lord says, mm, I told you, you had it on the book. See, so you, you may be looking at me and in the eyes of God, you have a full counter book. Maybe not one counter book, maybe three. Yes. Do you know that some people don't really know how to pray? Did you know that? That most people actually pray by making a vow. Did you know that? Lord, if only you can do this for me, I'll do this. Lord, I know if you do this, I'll do this even tomorrow. If you do this, I'll do this. If you do this, I'll do this. So now the entire prayer the entire prayer life of the person because they've never been told that this is a vow, it must be kept. So you find that the person is praying, the entire praying is only one thing, vows. Vow upon vow upon vow upon vow. So you're in the eyes of God, you have counter books. And heaven doesn't have small books. You think the book of life is small? It's not small. So you imagine the book which is in heaven. And your book is bigger than the TV twice. And, and he's full of what? Unfulfilled vows. And the Lord looks at you, and guess what? He's looking at now there are vows you made to him. Then the vows you made to friends. It's okay, you I'm expecting some kamani. Eh? I'm expecting some kamani. When I get this kamani, I'll give you immediately. There are those ones. Those ones now, they are about 50 counter books. But those are vows. Those are vows. That's the reason why I never make. If you tell me, if you look at me and you say you like my shoes, I will give them to you. I will not say, okay, I'll give them to you next time. No, because I'll change my mind. It's very easy for human beings to change their minds. So you like my shoes, I remove them, I give you. It's, a, it's, a bit, it's an easier approach. So what reproach stands before the Lord for your sake? Guys, you know, we, you know we've been looking at, you know, I believe in miracles. I believe in a God who does the impossible. Okay, but it is small, small, little monkeys like this, hidden in our closets, that stop the miracles from manifesting. I'm telling you, and then you're asking yourself, but why are the miracles failing to come? It's not God. It's not the Lord. We we need to be able to look at ourselves comprehensively and be honest, do an honest evaluation 
with ourselves. I told you what, I used to do these things when I was many years ago and I was extremely desperate. There was this church I used to go to and every time they say, who is going to sow a seed right now? God is here, 500,000. Come and pick the envelope. God will give you the money. I'll be the first in front. Anyway, I picked envelopes until one day. <laughs> I think I spring, I had the Lord say, even today you're going to pick an envelope? Because they were hip in the corner like this. I didn't even know how much money now I owed, I owed God. I began to repent. To be honest, I was broke. But you see, the more envelopes I kept, the more broke I got. Now I had a heap like this. You imagine how much money the church lost in printing envelopes so that I can keep them in the house. Because I never took back any. I had the heaps like this. Pledge forms. There was no pledge form without my name. How much are you pledging? I believe God will give me money. One million. I think I owed the church 200 million at some point in pledges. You imagine you owing the church 200 million in pledges. So how much money do you owe the church in pledges? You are looking at me. You owe God money. And the Lord is looking at you. And God knows how to handle people. God has what they call a discounting method. Any money you didn't fulfill is withheld. I'm being honest with you. So what do you owe God? Those pledges. You, you forget those pledges. You made Pastor Mark and say, you know, Pastor Mark, for me, if God does this, Usually for me, if you're lying, I'll say, are you sure about this? But the pledges you make to God in private, that is where your problem is. It's why the money is not coming as you want. It's why the blessings are not flowing as they want. Guys, forget Satan. Look at you and look at God. Right now, if you stand in the presence of God and you're here, Jesus is there, you're here. What will you tell him? What will you tell him? Huh? That shirt you're putting on. Did you vow to somebody you would give it to them? Maybe it's why it has holes. I know. Are there shoes you're keeping in your closet that you had vowed to give to somebody? Maybe it's the reason why the shoes, every time you put them on, they squeeze your legs and yet they are big. These things are real, I'm telling you. What is in your house that you ought to have given out which you vowed? against. If it's a car in your compound, do you now understand why it's not moving? Why you're in the garage all the time? If there's a cow in your crawl and you say this one here is for so and so and it was never taken and you're holding it illegally in the eyes of God, now you expect your, your crawl to grow, your heart to grow? It's not possible because anything we retain which we had vowed, it becomes a curse to us. It becomes a curse to us. Even one coin, one shilling in our finances, which you had vowed to give out. It's a reason why I don't delay blessings. If it's in my power to give, I don't delay them. I don't delay them. Because imagine now if Arthur tells me right now that I, I really need 50,000 and I have it on me. If I'm not going to give it to him, I say, well, I can't give it to you because I'm going to use it. I don't say, okay, um... Okay, I'll give it to you, uh, but maybe later. Do you know that 10 minutes later, Tulina is going to come and say to me, we don't have sauce for dinner. And you see that in if 10 minutes, I'll have given out that same money to Tulina. Are you seeing? Do you see that I'll have broken my vow to Arthur? And do you know that the mediator of this vow is God? Now, Arthur will not know what I did, but God knows what I did. Well, I'll give Arthur an excuse. I'll say, you know what? Um, 
something came up, but can I send it to you maybe tomorrow 5 p.m.? And he's a good man. He will not mind. But God will mind. God will mind. So you, you think about every vow that could be standing between you and God. But God is a just God. He's a merciful God. That, that today we can go to him, okay? We can go to him in repentance and you say, Dear Lord, I am extremely, extremely sorry. And, and I repent that I even made these vows in the first place. I am sorry, but I want to start again. Because it is, it's, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful prayer to make a vow to God. And imagine, even as we are going to pray today, I want you to make a vow to God regarding your current circumstances, regarding your current situation. I want you to make a vow. But you can only make a vow when we come before the Lord with genuine repentance so that God can wipe out that whole, those counter books of yours in heaven, which are so full. But, but you see, how should a vow be made? How should a vow be made? How? I'll tell you the secret to a vow. I'm not despising the vows you've made. Everything, really, that anything, any vow you've made to God is a vow, really, however small it may be. But I, I like to do it like David said. He said, I will not offer to God a sacrifice which has cost me nothing. You understand? 